Hello and welcome to Circling the Bases, proudly presented by Rotoworld and NBC Sports. I'm DJ Short. Here once again is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. Uh, shout out to, you, to those of you watching on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, if you're listening later podcast-wise, we're recording Wednesday afternoon, uh, which means another edition of Waiver Wire Wednesday. We'll each offer some suggestions for pickups here to hopefully get you over the hump, keep you competitive in your respective leagues. So we got a bunch of names ready for you guys. Scott, how's it going? Doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, second half is here. Offense has made a nice little comeback of sorts. Uh, Yesterday like was it, wild. Yeah, it was a keg tapper, man. They, I, <laughs> one of my teams, I had four or five guys pitch. I think they all got absolutely obliterated. But thankfully, a lot of that obliteration was done by my hitters. So I think it was kind of like a net um, net break even. But yeah, offense is here. You know, the, We know where the weather warms up. That's usually good for offense. I think we're going to mm-hmm. see a really explosive few weeks. Yeah, so let's get started. Uh, I think it's my turn to be on the pitch clock. It's been a little while. Of course, we had the all-star break. We had some vacations mixed in. It's been a little while. I might be rusty here. We'll we'll see what happens. But I gave you a list of players, and you are going to pick one at random, and I make my my pitch. Yeah, I'll even admit I'm not picking this at random. I'm going to pick Alex Kirilov because I've always been fascinated with him, and I'm just surprised that his roster tag is so low in Yahoo. So I I think you can get to work on that. Yeah, so Alex Kirilov, available in the great majority of Yahoo leagues, even some more shallow leagues. Maybe not the fantasy impact a lot of people were hoping for, but he's been good this year, and especially hot recently. Four straight multi-hit games, hitting 373 over his last 15 games. I think he's more of a day-to-day type of player. I mean, monitor when he's in the lineup. He's hitting 331 with a 912 OPS against right-handed pitching, 125 against lefties. I think you would like to see him hit the ball harder, but this is a former top prospect. He's been very discerning in terms of his plate discipline, batted ball distribution, a lot more line drives than we've seen in the past. His 33% line drive rate would be the highest among all qualifiers if he had enough at-bats to qualify. So still kind of a smaller sample, but I'm excited what we've seen from Kirilov. Uh, You know, someone, again, who has that prospect pedigree, just needs to stay healthy. I think you could say that about half of the Twins roster, right? Uh, I went out, I went over the bell, but I Alex Kirilov has been a favorite of mine for a really long time, and I'm just happy to see him healthy and, and performing well right now. For sure. I mean, any injury is going to be concerning for a young player, but it was a wrist injury that just saps yeah. power, and you see the major step up in his on-base percentage. I mean, his on-base yeah. percentage into the season was below 300. Now it's 381. Yeah, you get to steer him away against some left-handed pitchers, but you know it's, it's not a big deal. If we're talking about a left-handed hitter, they, it's a right-handed world. They're going to be in the lineup most of the time. So it, format may be dependent, and maybe that's why Kirilov is only at 8% rostered in Yahoo. I think he's like a 35 or 40% player. Yeah. Maybe even chasing up to 50% if he stays hot. And you love that he was a former first-round pick. So I, I thoroughly and emphatically co-sign on that. The first one for me is Tanner Scott who is 19% rostered right now. He's a Miami reliever. And you look, A.J. Puck's had a couple of blowups in his last four appearances. And so why does that matter? Well, I mean, any closer who's kind of losing his way, we get nervous about. And Puck was on the injury list not that long ago. But Miami's in the playoff hunt. They can't mess around. They need to win games. I know that your best reliever doesn't necessarily have to be your closer. But when you lose a couple of games late or you you, you have a game, you mark it, mentally is a win, emotionally is a win, then you lose it in the ninth inning. That leaves a scar on a team. 
I think Miami at some point might think, you know what? Maybe Scott needs to pitch. Maybe he needs to be a, a co-closer. Maybe he needs to be the guy in the ninth inning. And the great thing about this pickup, again, 19% rostered, is even if he doesn't get the saves, he's going to pitch high leverage situations. He's going to smooth out your ratios. So I think Tanner Scott's worth it even if he doesn't get saves. But I think this is an excellent chance he could be Miami's closer at some point with Puck kind of struggling right now. And the Marlins need every win they can get. They're right in the thick of that wild card race. And it's going to be a fascinating end to the season here. Uh, I think the Reds' goal is to win the NL Central. It's the easiest path here. But they're three games back of the final wild card spot. The Marlins are a half game back of the Phillies right now. The Diamondbacks and the Giants are in there. Maybe the Padres have a puncher's chance there. But every win matters for the Marlins. I, I think the Marlins are a team. They have a lot of young pitching uh, in their pipeline. They could go out and trade for a hitter, and this could be a real a team that has a real chance uh, to get into the playoffs here. So, yeah, I, I think you look at contenders, uh, sometimes maybe teams can be a little patient uh, with their closers, right? But not for a team that's every single win matters. So. I'm with you on Scott, and let me let I'm me ask a, you let me ask you an off script question on the Marlins. In in a league, he's not over fifty percent available on Yahoo, so he didn't qualify for this segment. But in one of my medium leagues, not even a shallow league, it's a medium league. Yuri Perez was dropped. It's a league where you only have a certain amount of pickups. I don't know when he's coming back. I think it's kind of silly that they send him back. They talk about like he's going to work on stuff. He was dominating National League hitters. That's all he's yeah. going to work on, right? So I picked right. him up. I have no idea when he's coming back. They haven't said anything there. Well, read the tea leaves for me. Did I waste a pickup, or do you think he'll throw anything substantial the rest of the season for the Marlins? I think he was going to face a clear innings limit, and they're doing what they can to have him available late in the year. Uh, I think that's all That's all this is about. Uh, I think the All-Star break is kind of perfectly timed in that way. Uh, I would suspect we'll see him in August at some point and, you know, they'll see how, how far, how deep he can pitch into the year because he's going into really uncharted territory for himself. So I don't think it's a waste of a pick. Uh, I think the Marlins will be very careful with the, with the workload though. So win potential, not sure. I'm at a point uh, now I, where I'm thinking if I can even get six or seven starts out of him, I'd be thrilled. Do you think that's realistic? I think it is. I, I think we will see that from him and man, he was so good. It's the, the demotion is not about performance. It's For not sure. about anything he needs to work on. It's clearly just about how much can we get out of him this year. So uh, I try to be as patient as you can uh, in any in any fantasy league. Uh, obviously, you know injuries can play into it. You only have so many bench spots, IL spots, that kind of stuff. But he's a he's a pitcher worth waiting for for sure. Uh, so you mentioned mentioned the Tanner Scott situation. I'm going to flip over to a team who is not in contention, that's the Kansas City Royals. They recently traded Aroldis Chapman to the Rangers. Scott Barlow should be next. Uh, he actually had a 3.89 ERA going into last night's appearance against the Tigers. That was one of those crazy high-scoring games. He had a huge lead going into a non-save situation, gave up four runs on three hits and three, rock, three walks to bring the score to 11-10. to 10. Managed to hang, managed to hang on. The Royals got the win there, but his ERA jumped basically like a full run. It's now four point eight nine. Still, he's a year away free, from free agency. Royals not a contender. There's no need to hold on a reliever if you're in that position, especially with a pitcher who's accomplished some things in the past. That one bad outing really lifted the ERA there. 
I think he's a clear trade target uh, for a contender. So I think this is more of a deeper league play, but I like Carlos Hernandez. And I think this is a pitcher that nobody's talking about. And why would they? Because the Royals are so bad. But Hernandez has been a legit success story this season. Coming into the year, 5.12 ERA in 56 MLB appearances. But he has been outstanding this season. ERA doesn't tell the story. 3.78 ERA, 56 strikeouts, 13 walks, and 57 and two-thirds innings. Has had a couple of opener assignments, but increasingly getting more opportunities in the seventh and eighth innings. His velocity is way up from anything we've seen in the past, averaging 99 miles per hour with his fastball, <laughs> averaging. The whiff rate is up, but also across the board with his slider, his splitter, even his curveball, which he throws in frequently. But still, this looks like a future late-inning, high-leverage arm. I'm excited to get on board right now and see where this goes. Yeah, I'll co-sign that. And this is another case of we don't care so much about the resume of relievers that if you look at anything Hernandez did before the season, you'd run away from him. But these guys, a lot of times it takes – they find the right pitch mix. They find the right spot on the rubber. They find the, the right delivery, right catcher, whatever it is. There's so many moving parts with pitchers. Sometimes it's just a matter of staying healthy, changing organizations, whatever it is, shifting from starter to reliever. Once somebody figures it out, I'm willing to trust what I see in front of me and not fear or sweat what the player might have been beforehand. So I guess Hernandez makes a lot of sense. And as you said, that could easily be a save situation. And Flux, we'll give you one more shot at saves on this show. And this is kind of the low-hanging fruit because Kyle Finnegan is 41% rostered in Yahoo right now. But Henry Harvey was looking really good at the end of the games for Washington. But he's got an elbow injury. And look, no injury is good for a pitcher, but elbow always makes us nervous. I think it's going to be a while before we see Harvey again. And with Washington not in contention, maybe they don't mess around. Maybe he doesn't pitch the rest of the season. Finnegan hit a rough patch in the spring, but he's been really good the last month or so. Is he already just a skosh over one? His whip is 0.71 over his last 14 innings. And he got that first save locked in after Harvey went on the IL. You just like to see them mark their territory right away. You say, hey, this is my job. It belongs to me. And Washington, look, they're not a good team. I get it. But Lane Thomas has been good all year. C.J. Abrams yep. is playing great baseball, right? 345 over the last month, 11 stolen bases. He's moved up to the leadoff spot. Not eligible for this segment, but he, he's available in probably some really shallow leagues because he's only rostered maybe two-thirds of Yahoo. He's starting to pop. He's a big part of that Soto trade. Their lineup actually goes four or five deep. It's not a nine-deep lineup for sure, but they yeah. have a couple of good hitters here. So you might think, well, why would I want to close around Washington? They're going to lose every game. I don't think they're quite that bad. I think they're just – I think – the current roster they have over a full season would maybe win 70 or 72 games, something like that. So why can't Cal Finnegan get 10 saves the rest of the season? I think that's in play. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's possible. Um, and the Royals is kind of a similar situation. Like they're going to win some games. They're probably going to be low scoring games. They'll, they'll get chances there. Um, so if you're trying to compete in the saves category, stay afloat, there's, there's going to be names to speculate on and, that goes for any number of situations uh, across the league as the trade deadline approaches. So, you know, I'd recommend looking at those uh, non-contending teams and stashing an arm that is getting holds or has an electric strikeout rate. And you see they're pitching the seventh and eighth innings because they could be next in line. I'm going to go to a player who we thought maybe was going to miss the entire season, but actually starting a rehab assignment. That's Brendan Rogers with the Rockies dislocated his left shoulder. Diving for a ball in early March, 
Uh, like I said, there was the thought that he could miss the whole year, but he's ramped some things up in recent weeks, actually began a minor league rehab assignment with high A Spokane on Tuesday, went 0 for 1 with a walk and a hit by pitch. One would expect him to be on his rehab stint for the full allotment, which is 20 days for position players. So that places his return in around mid-August, early to mid-August, somewhere in there. Still, I think he's worth stashing for the stretch run, has Coors Field on his side, uh, should provide a decent amount of pop the rest of the way. We'll see about the shoulder. That certainly is a factor. Uh, so watch the minor league numbers, but I do think he's worth a stash, especially if you need some help in a middle infielder spot. Uh, has the reputation there, and we know the Rockies will play him regularly down the stretch. Yeah, we talked a couple of days ago about how unusual it was this season to not have the carnival atmosphere in Coors Field. It's been so hard yeah. to find fantasy value there. I would love it if Roger comes back healthy, and as you said, if he is healthy, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't play every day, and that certainly leads to fantasy value. If you watch the All-Star game, you might have thought, well, Michael Lorenzen, he made the All-Star team. Oh, yeah, he's Tigers representative. <laughs> but he's actually got he's got some fantasy juice for us. I know the strikeout rate isn't great, and you know he's 73 strikeouts in 93 innings, so you, people might think, oh, I can't play a guy like that. But he, his walk rate has really gotten trimmed, and that's why his whip is only 1.13. And you can work the schedule here because the even though the – the schedule's more balanced these days. Still, Detroit's more likely to play AL Central opponents. And there's so many pillow landings here. We've seen him take advantage of some of them. He get a win against Oakland recently. That's the AL West team. He gets Kansas City on July 20th in his next start. I'm going to use Michael Lorenzo in some of my deeper leagues as a preferred streamer. It's going to be very matchup dependent. There's going to be teams I certainly won't throw him against. But 24% rostered. I've had so much trouble finding useful pitching. I think this is a guy who should maybe be around 40% or so. He's been picked up a few leagues, uh, 7% trending upward, but still, I think he's a little bit underrepped at the moment. So this is a good lead-in uh, to our MLB Sunday leadoff game, Juan Soto and the Padres are looking to climb back into the postseason picture. They'll have a shot to inch closer on Sunday, MLB leadoff in Detroit when they face the Tigers. Stream the matchup live this Sunday, July 23rd at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, exclusively on Peacock. Joe Musgrove is the probable starter for that game. For the Padres, he has been incredible basically since the end of May, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Maybe the, the only pitcher who maybe has uh, been better is Blake Snell <laughs> during that time. It's weird. There are players on the Padres who are playing well. Manny Machado's a top five hitter over the last month. I, know. I, I still don't – I haven't reconciled that the Padres are a bad team. I, I still it expect them to go off on some 12-2 and two stretch and they're like, oh, okay, now they're like inside the cut line for the playoffs. I, oh, yeah. I'm, not, I, I'm I, not giving up on them. I, I wouldn't either. What's unusual about the Padres is their uh, win-loss record in one-run games is like comically bad. Yeah. And that that tells you there's probably some regression coming, but it's like a positive regression for that matter. But is there enough time? You know, they are up against the clock. I don't think the Padres are going to sell because I think they're looking at these same things too and saying, we got a shot here. You know, with how I think their roster's a bit top heavy, like all around in the rotation, in the lineup, in the bullpen to a certain extent too. Is there enough time to make up this ground? I, I'm not sure, but I wouldn't quit on them either. You mentioned their one-run record, which is really bad, and that's also reflective. If you look at the National League West standings, the Giants have a plus 42 run differential. They're 13 games over 500. The Padres basically have the same differential. They're plus 44. 
yeah, two, yeah, run, yeah. two runs better, and they're five yeah. games under 500. So that just shows right. that's luck, man. If you if you have a positive run differential, you're supposed to be a winning team or at least a 500 team. That they, they yeah. have under you know, they they have um, underperformed based on what their metrics would say. They're a better team. I think the Padres realize, and as you said. I don't think they're going to do anything crazy at the deadline. In fact, who knows? Maybe they'll even, if they can get a little bit of momentum before the window closes, maybe they'll even add something. The Padres are 5-16 and 16 in one-run games. So. Oh, man, crazy. Yep. Um, a few, few different uh, bounces of the ball, and we could be looking at a very different record uh, for the Padres uh, moving forward. So uh, interesting note there with them. So up next with me, I'm going to go with Griffin Canning of the Angels. He's rostered in about a quarter of Yahoo leagues right now. Canning is coming off a 12 strikeout performance against the Yankees on Monday night. So it's easy to look at a recent start and be like, oh, pick up that guy. But uh, this is really the continuation of a trend for Canning, who has been fantasy relevant in the past, had a lot of uh, interest and excitement when he first came up as a prospect. Canning has a 3.58 ERA over his last nine starts, and that that includes a bad start in the start before the one against the Yankees. 58 strikeouts, just 14 walks during that stretch. Fastball velocity is way up from anything we've seen in the past. Uh, it's thrown his four-seamer less often this season, leaning more on his slider, which is his best pitch. Also getting more grounders and just being more efficient, throwing more first-pitch strikes. Uh, I mentioned the walk rate being lower getting more chases on pitches outside of the strike zone. So we're seeing a pitcher find his way here with Canning. Uh, gets the Tigers in his next projected start next Tuesday. So I think he's someone you're probably going to start most of the time right now, but certainly you should trust him for this next matchup. For sure. And actually, I, I, on one other side, I see he may get Pittsburgh instead of Detroit. It's not clear. Oh, yes, you might so, be right about that. Um, either way, either way, I, yeah. I, I want to I want to attack and I want to attack either one of those teams, and we're going to follow the strikeouts. I guess a twelve strikeout game against the Yankees counts. I've, I'll have to check with the commissioner's office on that. He had a nine <laughs> strikeout game not that long ago, and the whip has been tidy all year. So, again, this is maybe a better version of what I was selling with Lorenzen earlier. He's a preferred streamer. There are some teams I would not throw Canning against, but I'd rather have him on my roster, and I'll make that choice rather than him be on somebody else's roster, and they get that leverage. So I talked about sometimes this has been a weird season a little bit. I guess every season's weird, but in that some of the name brands have disappointed, you know, the, the Cardinals and the Mets and the Padres. And then there's been teams that uh, Houston's one of those teams, right? I'm just used to Houston's offense being formidable and it hasn't really been that. But one guy who's popped for them is Chaz McCormick. He's sitting right now at, at 280, 367, 519 slash. That's a 144 OPS plus, 11 home runs, nine stolen bases. Like, this is a guy who wasn't even guaranteed to have a starting job at the beginning of the season, but age 28 season, I know this is the time to get him was a few days ago because they have a Colorado series that's, I think, winding up today. But I got to figure he's carved out, marked his territory, carved out a spot for the rest of the year, and not just batting eighth or ninth, like actually getting some decent lineup real estate. And I'm surprised that it's taken a while for the Yahoo managers to, to pick up on this guy. He has been added kind of aggressively recently, but he's still – unrostered about two-thirds of Yahoo leagues. Chas McCormick's a good football, good football player, good baseball player, man. I, You know, I category juice plays. And Houston, even if it's not a top-five lineup, it's at least a better-than-average lineup. They're going to get Alvarez back, I would think, pretty soon. Yeah. This is, the Chas McCormick story is going to have juice all year, I think. 
Uh, it's interesting. McCormick's been, he hit sixth, uh, or he's hitting sixth on Wednesday, hit fifth in the games before, uh, mm -hmm. two previous games before that. Uh, it's been mostly against righties that he's been batting fifth recently. When uh, Alvarez comes back, that's probably not going to be the case, but uh, is getting good lineup territory there. When Alvarez comes back, that, that lineup's going to look a bit longer for sure. Uh, but I do like what he can do there. Another red-hot hitter recently is Eddie Julien with the Twins. He's rostered in just 10% of Yahoo leagues, but he's on a heater right now. 13 hits in his last 21 at-bats, two homers, three doubles in there. Uh, he's boosted his season batting average 50 points in that time. But Julien is a, is a legit prospect. He came into the year as the Twins' uh, number three prospect uh, in their system. The strikeout rate is a little higher than you'd like to see. It's around 30%. Uh, he's not really going to play against lefties, so another one of those players you're going to have to watch on a daily basis to make sure he's actually playing. But the quality of the, of the contact with him is, is interesting. Among players with at least bat, 50 batted ball events, Julian is 23rd among hitters. Same barrel rate as Jorge Soler and Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Jorge, Soler, Jorge Polanco is beginning a rehab assignment uh, this week. So there's a small window here for Julian to take advantage. But I think he'll probably have a role even after Polanco comes back. Uh, and probably some good real estate, too. I believe he's been hitting second recently for the Twins. So in the short term, uh, worth a pickup for sure. Yeah, hitting second is certainly a key kind of a tiebreaker when you look at players like this you need them at a good lineup spot and there's been so many injuries with the twins that it it could be a, one of several players could get hurt and julian could still keep his spot in the lineup so i don't know that the long-term prognosis is necessarily that great but it, it may depend on who's cold in the lineup or who's hurt but i definitely think he's worth a look right now i'm going to go back to it's been the year of, of Mickey Moniak recommendations on this show for me, and I'm going to give you one more. And, and Alex, admit a few things, right? Five walks, 49 strikeouts. We don't like that. And he rarely plays against left-handed pitching. And when he does, he usually makes it out. He's one for 15 against lefties. But it's a right-handed world. The Angels face a lefty on Wednesday. They face Carlos Rodon. And then 11 of their next 12 games, I think it was, are going to be against right-handed pitching. And we know the Angels talk about a team that doesn't have a deep lineup. You, you basically want to be hitting around where Otani is, and that's where that's where Moniak will be. He'll, he hits first. He hits third. He hits fourth. Mike Trout could be out for a while. Yeah. 336, 369, 645 slash. His OPS plus is 1,100. I'm sorry, his OPS is 1,100 if you just look at the right-handed games. Again, 11 of 12 games coming up starting Thursday will be against righties. So you're getting a 365, 392, 708 guy against right-handed pitching for two weeks. I'm in. Even if you want to drop him after that, eventually Trout may come back. Maybe the playing time gets cloudy. And we're talking about we're talking about past pedigree. He was the first overall yeah. pick in his draft class. I know. It's crazy. I, I know we'd like to see better play discipline. And I actually thought he would run a little bit more than he has. He only has three stolen yeah. bases. But DJ, I, I see a guy with a 336 average with 11 home runs and 37 starts. I don't see why I can't roster a player like that as long as I have the flexibility to tinker with my lineup more often than, say, once a week. And looking at Mickey Moniak's uh, baseball savant page, like you can sell yourself on it. Yeah, the contact is an issue, uh, like you said, but expected batting average is 278. Expected, expected slugging percentage is 539. Uh, his barrel percentage is 15.5%, which puts him in uh, really good um, you know, conversation there. The sprint speed, like you said, we'd like to see him run a bit more. Sprint speed is 86 percentile. So there's a lot of stuff to like 
about Moniac and the opportunities there, as you said, with uh, with Trout going to be out a while. Maybe the Angels do sell. Maybe Hunter Renfro's, you know, shipped out. There's going to be opportunities for for Moniac in this lineup, and uh, probably in a good position in the lineup too. Uh, probably in the middle of the Angels lineup as we move forward here. Another note here for our listeners with the NFL season quickly approaching. Now is the perfect time to get ready uh, with your Roto-World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Get ready for your draft and stay one one step ahead of your league during the preseason with updated player rankings, profiles, projections, mock drafts, and more. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use draft 2023 at checkout to save 20%. 20%. And Scott, this is kind of a good segue <laughs> to uh, the podcast here. So uh, you will be picking up some more uh, football responsibilities as, as the training camp ramps up and uh, NFL preseason. So we'll see you less often on circling the bases uh, moving forward this season, but you'll still be a presence. You're not going away for good. Uh, but did want to thank you for, you know, being my co-host throughout the season here, it's been a ton of fun. And thank you so much uh, to you and, and to all the producers and Adam and everybody else. I mean, it's just first class people at Roto World. And anytime I can do a project with you guys, it's a lot of fun. And uh, again, look, it, it's more like I'm going to go into a platoon now. So I, I yeah. you, know, you, you may have to check my lineup real estate every day. You know, <laughs> maybe you guys just decide I can't hit lefties anymore, whatever it is. But um, <laughs> I will certainly have some periodic appearances the rest of the way and. Just to remind everybody, you know, you have the promo for fantasy football. And look, we all play fantasy football. We all love fantasy football. Keep in mind fantasy baseball players, okay? Let's just accept and acknowledge one reality of fantasy baseball. Some of your opponents can't win this year. They're they're in 11th place. Their team is unfixable. Maybe they're going back to college or their kids going back to college or, you know, things are different. Maybe they're a big college football fan, whatever it is. The participation rate, this is the fact of life that – there's going to be less competition for, for fab pickups, less competition on the waiver wire. And if you just put in the reps, if you just stay the course, you will make up ground or you, you'll be surprised at what you can do in the final quarter of the season just by showing up. So much of life is just showing up, right? Yeah. I implore you. I've, I've had teams. I think we all have a story of a team that was like in seventh or eighth place this late in the season and then cashed or maybe even won the league. And a lot of that was because the league, saturation just went down because people have other things going on in their lives. In fantasy baseball, we love it. It's a long season and it can be a grind. But I'm telling you, if you keep your eye on the prize, if you keep you know doing what you do, just put in a lineup every time you got it. Make the fab rounds every time you have to. I think you'll be surprised at how much ground you can make. I'm always surprised at the guys I get in September and even August. It's like, wow, I, I thought I had no chance of getting this player. I was basically out of fab. And like half of my league didn't bid or nine guys in my league didn't bid. That's just a fact of life. So just show up. I guarantee you'll be rewarded for it. Yeah. And when you look at some of these uh, roster tags, like we were talking about today, you know, Alex Kirilov is hitting 373 over his last 15 games and he's 8% rostered. Uh, Crazy. You know, Eddie Julian, who I just said 13 hits in his last 21 at bats, he's 10% roster in Yahoo. Like that is a reflection of the pool of players starting to shrink a little bit, the active mm-hmm. players. Um, so you have to kind of look at those roster tags a little bit differently. You have to expect that some of the more competitive leagues that probably scooped up already. But if you are, like you said, just showing up every day, make sure you have a, you know, an active lineup, like you'll be surprised uh, what you can do. So 
I think that's always uh, great advice as fantasy football starts to ramp up, school starts again, all that good stuff. But Scott, we're going to have you back as, as obviously we finish up the season here and we still have some drafts we got to do that are sure. going to be totally not related to baseball at all. So uh, I will keep cooking on some some uh, concepts there for, for future drafts. But thanks again. Remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. You can actually find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to amazon.com slash NBC Sports and definitely check out the Roto World football show. Uh, like we said, with training camp approaching, fantasy football prep getting underway. Lots of good stuff there. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Scott is at, at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, everyone. See you next time.